Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Pastor Lisa, here we are on the dawning of a brand new year. And if you don't know, here at Faith Assembly Church, we are very much uh, believers in vision and purpose, and that God has a plan, and that we need to move in that plan. And we believe in that so strongly because there's an old adage that says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Yeah, and we're not wanting to aim at nothing, but we're wanting to believe God for everything that he has in store for us. So every year we begin at the close of, towards the close of a year, we begin to seek the Lord and just say, God, what's your direction? What's your vision? What's your purpose in leading this church for the coming year? And last year we focused on moving forward and just really you know, encouraged people in that. And as the year continued to unfold, we just heard so many incredible testimonies. Uh, people in their personal lives and spiritually just taking huge strides. And the closer we got to the close of the year, the more we talked about it. And I just said, you know, Pastor Lisa, I don't believe that the Lord is done with faith assembly and this idea of moving forward. I think there's more territory to claim. I think there's more ground to gain. And, you know, I just don't think we can stop. I just, we just can't stop. And she said. I said, we won't stop. Won't stop. So we said, then our vision and direction for this year is God has begun a good thing in us. And we can't stop. And we won't stop moving forward. Amen. So there we go. That's your, that's your mission. That's our mission as a church this year, that the momentum and the trajectory that God put us on in the previous year, we can't stop. We won't stop moving forward, right? Yes, we serve Absolutely. a God that constantly pursues us. Isn't that amazing? He it is. constantly pursues us with his love. And you know what? We are so excited because we know in the coming year, with the theme, can't stop, won't stop, that maybe many of you have moved forward in 2019. But can I tell you this morning that 2020 has greater things in store. That's right. 2020 has deeper, yes. greater blessings in store. That's and right. it is going to be a year of miracles. Yes. We are going to see God do amazing things. And because of who God is, we can come with expectant hearts and know that he is not going to fail us in 2020. We can't stop. And we won't stop because of who God is. Amen. Amen. Honey, let's pray over this group today. Father, we love you and we thank you for your promise. Lord, we thank you for divine instruction, vision, direction, Lord. Yes. And Father, as 2020 unfolds, I pray over every individual under the sound of our voice today, Lord, whether in this congregation, those watching by internet, those who will tune in later on podcast, Lord, we just pray blessing and abundance in their lives, Lord. We pray that 2020 is a year of dynamic unfolding and, and blessing in their lives. Father, that this would be the year and the season that they see you do exceeding abundantly above everything that they've ever thought or imagined. And Lord, we declare it not only for the individual, but for our church collectively, God, that we would see deliverances, that we would see healings, that we would see salvations, that we would see moves of the Holy Spirit in ways like never before. And Father, we receive that promise in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. 
Um, if you're ready to get in the Word this morning, would you grab your Bible and turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, and we're launching a series, a series of messages this morning that we've entitled Gaining Ground. Gaining ground. We've started moving in the past year, but this year we want to gain some ground. We really want to make some advances and some great strides uh, towards God's purpose in our lives. And um, today I want to share with you a message that I've entitled, Get Out and Stay Out, Babylon. So that'll make sense to you a little bit later on as we move through this message. But today I want to begin by speaking with you about a few historical figures that we run into here and we find their accounts in the book of Daniel. They are three, uh, four Hebrew youngsters that we know most familiar by the names of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, these four young men were, were Hebrew youngsters, as we said, and we've come to know their stories very well. They, they're stories of courage and faithfulness. They're stories of an unwavering faith in God's power to deliver them from any circumstance. And, you know, one of the most impressive things about this is that many of the um, things that you know, it's easy for us to forget sometimes that many of the things for which these young men are most well known happened in the days of their youth. So if you're here this morning and you think, wow, I'm in big church and I'm just waiting for this to get over and this is not applicable, I challenge you today that it is very much applicable because you too can do great things for the kingdom of God. Now, these young men lived in the southern kingdom of Judah uh, after a divided kingdom there in Israel, and they, they lived in the southern portion of Judah, the king Nebuchadnezzar became the king of Babylon. He went in and besieged the land of Judah. The officials of Babylon were instructed that they were to go through that province of Judah and they were to find the best and the brightest those with the greatest potential, and they were to bring those young men back to Babylon, and there they were going to be trained in the culture and the ways of the Babylonians, and they were going to receive instruction in the Babylonian ways and culture that in order that they would be prepared to serve in the king's palace. Now, before we go much further in this, I want to explain to you where it was that these people were being taken to. They were being taken to a land called Babylon. Now, Babylon gets its root, or has its root in the word Babel, okay? I know that's really deep and profound for you here this morning. But if you will remember in Genesis chapter 11, there's an account there of a rebellious people who went to the plain of Shinar, and there they began to build a tower, a tower that uh, was to ascend into the heavens. And God was displeased with this action. And he looked down at them and said, what are we going to do to stop them? They're, they're all one. They have the same language. And I've got I've to intervene here. I've got to do something to put a halt to this. So he says, I'm going to go down and I'm going to confuse their language. So we take the root of the word Babylon and we add that to it, that understanding, then Babylon equals a place of confusion. A place of confusion. Now I want to talk to you for just a minute about these young men and their experience in Babylon. And then we're going to make a parallel between that and our own existence. 
Number one is that the very first thing that we see happening to these four young men that's accounted for here in the scriptures in verses 6 and 7 is that when Daniel and his friends arrive, the first thing the Babylonians do is try to change their names. They had all been given Hebrew names, and you've got to understand, in our culture, a lot of times, we just, you know, something sounds pretty. And therefore, whatever sounds pretty to us or whatever's popular in culture at the time, we then name our children that based on the way it sounds rolling off our tongues. And that's about as deep as it gets for most people. But in this culture and in this time especially, there was a deep meaning to what someone was named. They thought about it. There was a painstaking thought put into what am I going to name this child because what I named them is a declaration about them. And they had been given these Hebrew names. They're not, it's not Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was actually Daniel, which means God is my judge. In other words, he's the one who measures me. He's the one who determines my worth. He sets my value. It's God who is my judge. No other. There was Hananiah, who his name means God has favored. In other words, everything that I achieve or everything that I attain in this life is because Jehovah has shown his favor in my life. There was Mishael, which means who is what God is. In other words, his name is a rhetorical question because we understand from Scripture that there is no other God like Jehovah. There, we, we can look throughout the universe and the eons of time. We will never find another God like Jehovah. And his name is who is what God is. And then there's Azariah, and his name means Jehovah has helped. Jehovah has helped. Of course, we read in, in these, these names. You look at all these Hebrew names, and what they mean is that when their parents named them, they looked at this child and said, I'm going to name them something that declares the glory and the work and the person of Almighty God. I'm going to name them something that says this is what God has planned, this is what God has purposed, this is what God is going to do in their lives, and I'm going to name them that. I'm going to declare the glory of God through this life. Now, the Babylonians gave them names, and as we mentioned earlier, they named Daniel, uh, Belshazzar, and the other three we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's how they're most popular to us. But it wasn't their given names. That's what the Babylonians named them. And we don't have the time to go through all of those names individually, but suffice it to say this morning that all of these Babylonian names that were given to them, they didn't speak of the glory of God. They didn't speak of the grandeur of his person and the work that he has in our lives. They simply spoke of worldly, either they emphasized either worldly treasures or positions. So they were telling these men, what they really were telling these men is if you really want to be something in this life and in this world, your hope and your trust will not be in God, but it will be in what you're able to achieve and what you're able to attain. And also, if you can't achieve and if you can't attain, you're less than. The world wants you to think that if you can't attain its positions, its notoriety, and its treasures, then you're not what you need to be. And 
the second thing that we see very quickly here happening is not only did they try to change these men's names, they also tried to change these men's diets. Verse 5 says this, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, there's, a, there's an argument that arises here and says, what is the nature of these, what are, what's the nature of these delicacies that are being offered to them? Some people suggest that these were foods that had been offered to idols and false gods and then set on the king's table. And there's a, there's a good debate going back and forth on that. We don't see anything to validate that necessarily, but there's a good argument there because in verse 8, it says that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself before God by partaking of the king's portion, so he refrained. But I find interesting here John Gill's commentary on this passage, and it says this, that these things were offered to the Hebrew children as a bait and a snare to allure and entice them to make them in love with the country and the condition in which they were and forget their own. Let me read that again. These things were offered to them as a bait and a snare to allure and entice them to make them in love with the country and the condition in which they were and to forget their own. I want to remind you today that the way that these young men ended up in Babylon was not by their own free will. It was not by choice, but it was by captivity that they were led enslaved into Babylon. And, and this commentator suggests here that they were offered all these things to make them fall in love both with the country which was not where they belonged and the condition which was slavery in which God had delivered them from centuries before. And I believe in part that this could be true because we'll mention it again in a little bit, but we've already seen this work with their ancestors in times past. As God was delivering them out of a condition and towards a country that he had planned for them, they longed back for the flesh pots in Egypt. And what is happening here is that the Babylonians changed their names to try to make them forget who they are. And they changed their diets to make them forget where they belong and to make them fall in love with where they are. However you look at this, there's a plan in place to make these young men look and behave a certain way. They're being immersed in a system. They're being trained in a language. They're being given an identity that doesn't belong to them. There's a, there's a work afoot to mold and to shape them into conformity, into the conformity of Babylon. Keep it in mind, these are Hebrew children. These are God's chosen people. And the king of this world, the most powerful man on the planet at the time, has come in and has taken them captive and is working to conform them to the mold and the model of the world. And then we see very rapidly some unfolding here that Daniel begins to lead a resistance. And, and it says here in verse 8, 
But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You know, I imagine Daniel sometimes walking down the streets of Babylon or through the palace courts, and I can almost see people running by him, and they're trying to get his attention, and they're calling out, and they're saying, Belshazzar, and Daniel just keeps on walking. And they call again and say, Belshazzar, and he keeps walking. And finally they go, Daniel. And he's, hey, you talking to me? Huh? What? And I don't know if they ever got Daniel to respond to his Babylonian name, but they never got him to partake of the Babylonian diet. And what Daniel illustrates for us in this, we look at verses 14 and 16, and it says this of the eunuch. It says, so he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus thus the steward took away their portion of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, what Daniel illustrates for us in this simple action is that you don't need everything that this world affords in order to do well. If your purpose is to honor God first and foremost and stay away from the things that have no expediency in our lives and our spiritual walks and things that draw our attention away from the Lord, God has a way of circumventing the technicalities of getting around it. The world says that in order for you to advance, you have to bend, you have to bow, you have to conform, you have to adapt, you have to adopt. But here in this simple thing, and we're going to get to it a little bit later, but Daniel illustrates for us that it is not necessary to compromise your faith or your walk with the Lord or who you are as a believer in order to do well. Because God has a way. And we see all of this transpiring and we understand the goal that is, that is afoot here to change these men from who God has destined and designed determined them to be and to conform them into the image of the world. And we see here that Daniel takes his stand, he and his friends, and they fare all the better for it. Those are two things, and we'll get to the third in just a moment. But right now, I want to turn your attention to the fact that Babylon is all around you. It's all around you. There is a Babylonian spirit in this world today, and it's working to conform you and I until we look and behave a certain way. It's trying to mold you into the form of this world and press you into the image of something unlike who God has created you to be. It wants you to look like the world and talk like the world, and behave like the world, and believe like the world, and it pounds, and it pounds, and it pounds with its influence constantly and consistently trying to get you to adapt and adopt a new image and a new diet. And on every hand, 
there's someone or something that's warring against you to try to get you to change your name. God has given you an identity. God has given... God has given you a name. And the name that he has called you is redeemed and restored. The name that he has called you is victorious and blessed. He has called you precious and loved. He has called you chosen and an overcomer. He has called you favored and prosperous. And all these things the Lord has declared over your life, but there's a Babylonian spirit in this world that wants to change your name. And instead of being identified with the blessings of God, he wants you to identify yourself with ways that make you feel less than what you're supposed to be if you don't have what this world offers. If you can't achieve a certain status, he calls you a failure and worthless. If you can't live up to a certain standard, he calls you defeated and broken. If you don't have the right kind of relationships, he tries to tell you that you're not loved. The problem with this is that if you and I are going to gain ground in this life, we're going to have to stop responding every time the enemy calls us something contrary to who God has said that we are. You see, the devil says that we're broke and there's no way out. And we'll mourn on the sofa for three days in a pit of despair. The devil says that we're failures and we respond in kind by giving up on our dreams and our visions. And the devil calls us defeated and instantly we're on the sidelines waving our little white flags of surrender. And saying, well, I guess this is right. Maybe I am defeated. I've got to tell you today, church, stop answering the call every time the Babylonian influence calls you something that's contrary to the identity that God has given you. Not only is there a spirit trying to change your name, but he's trying to change your diet as well. He offers a daily fare to make you feel like where you are isn't such a bad place after all. It happened to the Israelites in Egypt. They, had, they too had eaten of the goodness of the land. And when they got out in the desert, it didn't matter that they were living in God's provision. It didn't matter that they were on their way to attaining the promise. It didn't matter that they were about to walk into God's destiny. They still looked back and said, oh, to be in Egypt again where I could satisfy my flesh. If the enemy can get you full enough of the things of this world... You'll lose your appetite for the things of God. And Daniel says to them, listen, you may call me all the names that you want to, but you're not going to feed me on your confusion. And I'm telling you, church, there's far too many of us that are pulling up at the table of confusion and we're feasting on the fare of this world. We're listening to everything that the adversary has to say. And i got to tell you this, when you're taking more information off the evening news and the mainstream media than you are from Jesus, you're eating the wrong diet. When you're feeding your thought life with more, more with social media and in the entertainment of this world than you are with the word of the Lord, you're partaking of the wrong diet. Jesus says this, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
And you're here this morning and you say, well, pastor, I hear you say all that stuff, but I just don't understand what's the harm in partaking of these things. Furthermore, pastor, I would say that I don't like to read. And I certainly don't like to read the Bible. Because I believe I can be a Christian without all that. And I'm not going to argue the validity of that. Maybe you can. But I don't want to be a Christian in name. I want to be a Christian in life. I want to be a Christian in reality. I want to be an overcomer. I want to be victorious. I want to know who I am and where I stand. And when the rubber hits the road, that's where I want to be. Not wafting off someplace else, but I want to know where I stand. And you may be a Christian and never pick up your word, but you won't be a victorious one. You cannot not know your identity and feast on the fare of this world and know who you are and where you stand and be a victorious believer. It's not going to happen. You'll be one of those people suffering, uh, mourning on the sofa three, four, five days at the time. Your Facebook feed will look like an episode of Dr. Phil. You'll have all your depression and disparity out there by volumes. Woe is me, I can't get ahead. Now, let me, let me just illustrate something here for you. I've got this nice, subtle colored board here. And I want to ask you something. What color is this board? What's that? Green. green. Everybody agrees it's green. You sure? Is what you say? Who said, who said it's what I see? That's right. That's right. Well, you can clearly see that this is green. Right? So you know it's green because you see that it's green. Can I tell you something? You don't know that it's green because you see that it's green. Because when you behold with your eyes, there's nothing about seeing that interprets for you that this is the color green. Your optic nerve simply sends an impulse to your brain that your brain interprets. And your brain interprets this to be the color of green, not because you see it, but because you've been told that this is the color green. Now, if we could have, you know, it would be a cruel and unusual thing, and I certainly don't advocate it. So if any of you are kind of sensitive to being offended by things, please understand that, you know, disclaimer first. But if we could have taken enough people to fill this half with people and we shielded them away from any information or influences about the colors of this world and we told them this is red and we held this up to them and we said listen this is this is the color red every time you see this your your optic nerve is going to send a signal your brain is going to identify this as the color red over here we'd take another half we'd seclude them away and we'd spend a lifetime telling them this is the color blue Every time that your eyes behold this, it's going to send a signal to your brain. Your brain's going to interpret this as the color blue. Then I would come in here this morning, we'd bring everybody in. And I would stand up here and I'd hold this and I'd say, what color is this? And this half over here would shout red, that half over there would shout blue. 
And before lunchtime, we could have a church split. Why? Because we would have a house full of people with a perception that was uninformed or ill-informed of what the truth of the matter is. We have so many people that are running around in the church and they're relying on an uninformed or ill-informed perception of the way things are. Do you want to know? You sit around and scratch your head and you say, how in the world can some of the people in mainstream denominations look at some of the things going on in the world and say this is right? I can tell you why. It's because they have left the foundation of understanding, which is the truth of God's Word, and they're looking at it with a natural and ill-informed perception, and they're saying, I don't, say any, I don't see anything wrong with it. The safeguard for you and I, however, is not to rely on our own selves. The Word says there's a way that seems right unto a man. The Word says lean not unto your own understanding, but in all things trust in the Lord and He'll direct your paths. You see, a shortfall in the body of Christ, a lot of times, one great hazard is that we've got a church full of folks. We've got them running around. They're making decisions and they're passing judgments simply based on their feelings and their perception of things in the natural man. And it's not informed by the word of the Lord. We might think that we're doing everything right and we can't figure out why we're not getting ahead. And the error is that most judgments come with the preface that says, well, the way I see it, or I don't see anything wrong with it. And the problem may be the way you're seeing it, or at least the way you're interpreting or the grid through which you're interpreting what you see. Church, we're living in a land of confusion. I said we're living in a land of confusion. We are living in a land that is completely just inundated with a Babylonian spirit that is constantly and continually trying to change our identity and is constantly, continually offering to us a fair of this world to make us fall in love with where we are so that we have no hunger and no desire for that heavenly kingdom of which we are truly citizens through the blood of Jesus Christ. And what you and I have got to do is we've got to get out and we've got to stay out of Babylon. Some of you are thinking along with me here this morning, and you might be thinking right now, well, goodness, Pastor, you said that we're surrounded by it, so I don't know but one way out, and that's to die. And I wasn't really looking forward to that here on the brink of a brand new year. These influences are all around us, and there seems to be no escape. But Jesus teaches us in Scripture that you are in the world, but you're not of the world. And you can be in the world without the world being inside of you. And Paul writes to the Roman church and he says this in chapter 12, verse 2. 
do not conform to the pattern of this world. That voice, that influence, that Babylonian influence is constantly trying to press you into a pattern of this world. And Paul cautions the believer and says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed, be something different by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You've got to renew your mind in the Word of the Lord. You've got to renew your mind in the truth of God so that you can learn your identity, so that you can learn your purpose, so that you can learn your worth, and you can learn your victory, the victory that is yours in Christ Jesus. Allow that word to renew your mind, to renew your heart, so that you'll know who you are in Christ Jesus. So that you'll know where you belong, where your place is. You won't be overwhelmed. And you've got to say to the influences of Babylon that are in your life, get out and stay out. Get out and stay out. I'm not answering to the names you're calling. I'm not feasting on the distractions you're placing in front of me. Get out and stay out. I won't settle for less than what God has in store for me. I won't be comfortable in confusion. I'm going to walk in the revelation of the word of the Lord. Number three. Number one, they changed their names. Number two, they tried to change their diet. Number three, there was a miracle moment in the lives of each one of these four men. And had they chosen the Babylonian influence, these men would have simply faded from the pages of history and we wouldn't be here in 2020 talking about their legacy today. They would just be nameless faces in the mass of human history who came and passed across the scenes of time and left. But no, no, no. These aren't those type of people. These are extraordinary people because they made up their mind in a world of confusion, in a world that was pressing on them, and a world that was pushing against them, and everything that God had destined for them to stand up and say, oh no king, no, 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 we're not gonna bow to the world system. We're not gonna give up on God's desire for us. We're not gonna turn our back on the will of God, but we're gonna press in and we're gonna press on and we're gonna hold fast until we see deliverance come. We're gonna hang on until we see our miracle. And they all faced a moment Every one of these young men eventually had a defining moment in their lives and it was a moment when God stepped in. It was a moment when God stepped into their situations and they received a miracle that was exceeding abundantly above anything that they could have asked or thought. For some, it was a fiery furnace. For some, it was a lion's den. But I say again, had they succumbed to the counsels of the Babylonian influence, we probably wouldn't know their stories today. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, 
were promoted. We read about those young men being cast into a fiery furnace. But before that, we read about three young men who said, listen, King, I don't know if God's going to deliver us from this fiery furnace or not. But this is what I do know. I know whom I have believed in and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until the day of Christ Jesus. And we're not going to bow. We're not going to bend. We're going to stand right here on the promises of God. And the word says that when they came out, they went in the fire, three of them. There were four of them while they were in there. One likened to the Son of Man. And when they came out, it says they were promoted. They were promoted. Daniel, and gentlemen, you can go ahead and distribute those sacraments while I make this final point here. They told Daniel, they said, give up on your faith. Give up on your prayer life. Give up on your expectancy of God to ever do anything. You've been here in Babylon for all these years. You were a young man when you came. You're an old man now. Just give it up. You're only to pray to this image that we've erected of the king of this land, the king of this world. You don't, you don't call on Jehovah anymore. Daniel said, you know what, I've been, I've been young and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or, God, or God's seed begging bread. He's been faithful to me this far and I'm not giving up on him now. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. Some trust in horses and some in chariots. But I'm going to bust my eastern window open. And I'm going to bow my face before God every day. And I'm going to continue to call on the name of God. They throw Daniel in that lion's den. God put a muzzle on those lions, made those fierce animals a pillow for him at night. He laid down and rested in the peace and the goodness of God all night long. They finally came back and hauled him out and it says afterward, Daniel prospered. I wanna tell you today, church, if you wanna gain ground in this life, you're gonna ignore the Babylonian influences in this world. Those voices that are trying to change your name. Those voices that are calling you a failure. Those voices that are, are saying to you, you're depressed and you're anxious. There's a, there's a voice that's going to speak over your life in the days to come. And it's going to say to you that you're depressed and you're going to say you're a liar. I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a voice that's going to speak over your life and say, you ought to be anxious. And you're going to say, for what? I've got the peace of God that passes all understanding. There's a voice that's going to speak to you and say, you're defeated. You ought to give up and you ought to turn back. And something's going to rise up on the inside of you and say, I may be pressed, but I'm not crushed. I might be persecuted, but I'm not destroyed. I'm, I'm not abandoned. I might be struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I've been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loved me. Get out, you lying spirit. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. 
If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.